Jack Nicholson, most of you know who Jack Nicholson is. Even he smiles, he looks creepy, doesn't he? <laughs> Jack Nicholson, uh, a famous movie he was involved in several years ago, is called The Bucket List. And when that movie was, uh, after it was over, he was being interviewed by Parade Magazine. And they asked him about his future, because he's an older man now. And uh, if he had fears for the future, he said, well, I fear dying. Not really dying, but I fear what lies beyond death because, and here's, I'm quoting him, no one knows what lies beyond death. And I, I surely hope before Jack dies, someone can show him the Bible and help him find uh, an understanding of Jesus Christ because the Bible does tell us what lies beyond. It tells us that we're going to die. Even an atheist would have to acknowledge that. But the Bible says after we die, that's not it. it. In fact, the Bible says after we die, we will stand before the judgment seat of, of Christ. We will stand before God. And then there will be a separation. Some people will go away for eternity to a horrible place called hell. And we looked at that last week. And this morning, we're going to look at the other alternative, and that is heaven. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Revelation 21. Revelation 21 is our main uh, heartbeat this morning. And I want to begin with this as you're looking for that, or it'll be on the screens. Heaven is what lies beyond for the Christian. Jack Nicholson said, we fear because we don't know what lies ahead. Well, the Bible says, if you're a Christian, or you can become one today, what lies beyond for you, or for me, is heaven. Now, I found this this week, and it, it scares me, it disturbs me, but did you know that women will not be in heaven? Now, ladies, I need you to stay with me. We're going to try to help you today figure out what we need to do. Uh, that's sad, isn't it? No, not really, I guess. Revelation 8.1, Revelation 8.1, it says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And many Bible scholars have said that there's no way that women could be there. I disagree radically with that, of course. My wife's heard me say that, and then she'll say this afternoon, You talk a lot more than I do. Why would you even say that? Women are going to be there. That was just a joke or attempted a joke that you guys didn't seem to appreciate. Even the men didn't appreciate. If you were to look at cultures and, and, and study what cultures believed about a God or about an afterlife, what you would find is many, many cultures throughout history have acknowledged or believed that there's an afterlife. The Aborigines in Australia believe that. The Polynesians, the Native Americans believe that. Uh, you look at um, ancient Mexican history, they believe that. Even the Romans and the Greeks believe that after a person dies, that there is probably a negative place for people who don't live well or aren't right with the God or the gods, and there's a positive place for people who live well or who are right with a God. And the Bible says that exactly in Revelation 21, 1 and 2. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Now, I mentioned this last week. I'm going to touch on it real briefly different views on this, that, that if you die and you're a Christian, well, you, you're gonna, I, I believe you're going to go be with God right now in paradise or heaven, or whether there's a final heaven uh, coming at the end of all times. Please understand that where you go immediately is going to be wonderful. It's going to be tremendous. And if there's a final heaven, it's going to be even great too. And that if you die without Christ, whether you're going to a temporary hell or a permanent hell, it's going to be real bad. And if there's a final hell at the end of all things, it's going to be real bad. So, 
whether this is the final heaven we're seeing today or this is the temporary heaven till all said and done, really doesn't matter because when you go to this place, it's going to be absolutely fantastically wonderful. Now, key question before we dive into all this, how do you get to heaven? I said Christians go to heaven. Several years ago, there was a website, Heaven's Registry, that said for $20, you can get to heaven. And for another 15 you can get your dog in. That's pretty good, isn't it? You don't even have to tithe. Just $20 and you get in. And 15 we got two dogs, so that's me and the two dogs, and we'll throw in another 20 for Cindy. We're in with our dogs pretty cheap, aren't we? But that's not how you get to heaven. How silly. What a moneymaker for that guy. In, Revel- excuse me, in, in John chapter 11, verse 25, there's a great verse. Jesus is at a funeral. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to this lady who is mourning, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he will live. You know how you get to heaven? You get to heaven through Jesus Christ. By surrendering your life to him, believing in him, following him in repentance. Jesus Christ is the ticket to heaven. And, and this is not elitist or snobbery. In fact, I would tell you this morning, if you're not a Christian, you have a family member or friend who's not a Christian, God wants you to get to heaven. In Revelation 22, verse 17, right over there at the end of the Bible, listen to what it says. The Spirit and the bride say, come. He's making the opportunity open. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Let him do that. In other words, God's saying, you want to go to heaven? I want you to go to heaven. You want to have a relationship with Jesus? I want you to, but you have to accept it and take it. If you have Christ this morning, I'm fixing to show, share with you briefly what lies ahead for you. If you're not a Christian, I hope I can convince you how great it is that you'll want to buy into it even this morning. Let's look at this. Heaven is beyond wonderful. Heaven's beyond wonderful. Should concern you, you're going to spend eternity in one place or the other. I want to go to this place. I want to know what it's like. We can, t- we can scratch on the surface of it this morning. Let me give you a few thoughts. Here's the first. In heaven, we will be in the visible, physical presence of God. In heaven, you're going to see God. In heaven, you're going to literally be with God. What does God look like what does god look like you ever thought about that i thought about that a whole lot i mean we we have some idea what jesus christ looked like as he walked what is what is god the father gonna look like in heaven what's jesus gonna look like in heaven there were two men who were best friends their whole life one was african-american the other was white they grew up beside each other they became christians as young men and the only thing they really disagreed on was the color of god the white man said he's white the African-American said he was black. They argued about it for years. They got married and lived across the street from each other. Went to the same church and the same Sunday school. Deacons at the same church. They argued black, white, black, white. Their wives died. His old man, they, they were in the nursing home together. Same room. Beds right beside each other. Loved each other. But they argued. He's black, he's white, he's black, he's white. They died holding hands seconds apart. Then they realized they were in heaven and they walked up to the pearly gates, and there's St. Peter, and they're still arguing. He's black, he's white, he's black, he's white. And Pete, they said, can we see God? And they said, well, you're fixing to see God. Let me go get him. They're arguing, black, white, black, white. God walks up, and he says, buenos dios, senores. I don't care what color God is. I'm excited that someday the Bible says I'm going to get to see God. Does that excite you? I hope so. I hope, I hope it does. Look in verse 3. And, and a, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. Now, the word dwell there, that verb is a very interesting word. It was used in the Old Testament to talk about the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the portable temple. Before the the permanent temple was built, the tabernacle represented the presence of God. So the tabernacle meant the dwelling of God. Now, it was temporary, and this isn't temporary, but it was talking about it's the dwelling of God. The word dwell means to uh, habitation. It means to be in the middle of or in the presence of. In John chapter 1, verse 14, in very significant verse, we're going to see in a few weeks as we at Christmas about Jesus and the word Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's the same verb dwell used in John 1, 14 that's used in Revelation 21. So what he's saying here, folks, when we get to heaven, we're going to be dwelling in the visible, physical presence of God. Now, folks, we believe the Bible says God is in this room this morning. Do you believe that? God is beside you. If you're a Christian, God lives in you. And we accept that, and we believe that by faith, right? But when we get to heaven, that faith is going to become sight. We're going to see God. We're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to get to experience God in a way that we never have, and and that experience will never dull the rest of our lives. We, We sang songs in both services this morning about getting to heaven What a day of rejoicing it will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Let me tell you, if that doesn't excite you, I'm concerned about you a little bit spiritually. Because I can't wait. I don't want to rush it. (laughs) But I can't wait to see God. Wow, that's going to be incredible. Here's another thing. Death is gone forever in heaven. Death is gone forever. Folks, 2,000 years ago, John's writing this. John had been tortured. He'd been beaten. He's on the island of Patmos, a prisoner, marooned there, basically. God's writing this letter through him. Christians were being killed and persecuted. They understood death. John's an old man. He had been around death. We understand death. J. Vernon McGee was a preacher in California for years, and in one of his books, he talks about when the interstate systems were built in America, and they're not really that old. He said one of the biggest problems the engineers had, this is very interesting, were graveyards. Said there was graveyards everywhere in America, and then people don't want you putting a interstate through the middle of their graveyard, and we understand why that it's not a cool thing. In our world today, we're told about two people die per second. About two people per second die. But look what happens in heaven. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. Folks, I've I've been to or been a part of two hundred funerals i've been at funerals where people we knew were christians and that they were in heaven with jesus and as a christian you know i'm going to get to see them again we'll see that more in a moment and be with them but you know what there is still tremendous heartache you are not normal if someone you love dies and it doesn't bother you it's a very real separation it's a painful separation but here's what god says when we walk into heaven death is gone no more you don't have to worry about somebody getting sick or an accident or anything happened Death is gone no more. Hell is described as eternal death, and heaven is described as eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? No more undertakers. I have some great friends who are funeral home directors. They will be unemployed in heaven, and I'm okay with that. Here's the third thing the Bible says. There will be no more emotional pain. 
No more sorrow or pain emotionally. Again, John's writing this. He's, he's exiled. He's a prisoner. He's an older man. He's seen all of his fellow disciple friends martyred and killed. Probably has outlived a lot of his family by now. And in verse 4 it says, He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain. The word mourning means sorrow. Cry means to experience grief. And pain means misery. Obviously, when you take funerals and deaths out of the equation, you remove a lot of emotional heartache and pain. But I, I want to tell you something else, too. You don't have to go to a funeral to, to feel sorrow. It can be a bad breakup. It can be a divorce. It can be your anxiety you're struggling with or your depression. You know, we live in a, in a world where we're, we're, we're doing better in so many ways medically and medicinally. But if you look at the stats, anxiety and depression and things like that in our country are going up, up, and up. You know what? When we get to heaven, those things are gone. They're gone forever. There won't be any more breakups or, or funerals. He wipes away the tear. Part of that, some scholars believe, and I think this is probably true. I mentioned this two weeks ago. A lot of Christians are going to get to heaven, and they're going to get spanked on the way in for how they live down here. And then, but God's going to wipe away those tears because when we enter heaven, all emotional pain and suffering is gone forever. Isn't that good? Say amen if you think that's good. Man, it's gone. It is gone forever. Here's the fourth thing. No more physical pain. No more physical pain. There will be no more pain. We believe that John, at one point, listen to this, to try to get John to deny Christ, that he was put in a a pot of boiling oil and, and burned that way. He'd been tortured. Again, he's writing this to people who are being tortured and abused. And he's trying to encourage them And not to give them some phony health, wealth gospel that if you just follow Jesus, you'll drive a Rolls Royce and you'll never suffer. He's trying to encourage them to be faithful and say, hey, whatever you're experiencing is real, but it's temporary. And someday when you walk into heaven, that pain is gone. One one scholar defines this pain here as the pain of childbirth. I've never given birth. Y'all do realize that? Y'all are acting like you're asleep. That's a good thing that your male pastor's never given birth. Would you agree? Yes. My wife says it's pretty tough. <laughs> and God says this, when you walk into heaven, all your physical pain's gone. At my first church, I had a wonderful family that, that was the Gray family. One of the, the girls, Amanda, is a member of our church uh, through the Internet. She lives in way, way west Texas, out near El Paso, where our team was yesterday. And she may be listening now. One of the other daughters was a lady named Hassie who lives in east Texas. Still dear friends of mine. And Mrs. Gray, the mama, Mary, uh, precious, precious people to me. When I became their pastor, I was 23, I was single. And I'd go over their house a lot. And, and sometimes at night, we would go into Mary and Jim's bedroom. And they'd be sitting on the bed. And the kids would be in there. And I'd be in there. And we would just talk. And, and Jim, the daddy, was, he had bad health problems. While I was his pastor, he had four bypasses. He had bad lung problems where he had to have treatments every day to breathe. Before I'd gotten there, he had one leg was partially uh, amputated, so he only had a leg and a half. He didn't hear well. His eyes were not good. 
And, and Jim used to tell me, he said, you know, because he become a Christian as an older man. He said, I'm not trying to push it. I don't want to get away from my family and friends, but I can't wait till someday when I can walk on two legs and I can see good and hear good and breathe well and have no more problems. And 23 years ago on Thanksgiving, Jim walked into heaven. Isn't that awesome? In heaven, there'll be no more physical pain, no more handicaps, no more problems. No more stomach virus, that'll be in hell. No more flu, (laughs) no more arthritis. Everybody's going to have a full set of hair. Won't that be awesome? You'll have teeth with no toothaches, no backaches. Heaven's going to be perfect. Is that not wonderful? I want to give you a a kind of a, a big summary thought here. Heaven is just wonderful beyond our ability to grasp. It's, it's wonderful beyond our ability to grasp. There's two scriptures I'm just going to read, and we'll touch on them real briefly. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. Listen to what they say. Now, I know a man in Christ, this Paul is talking about himself, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the third heaven meant this. They looked at heaven as the, the clouds was the first heaven, the stars was the second layer, and the third heavens where God was. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now, folks, Paul was not at a loss for words. Paul may have had the equivalent of two PhDs. Paul could express himself well. Paul said, I experienced things I'm not even allowed to tell you, and I couldn't tell you if I was allowed to tell you. That's heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, one book over, Paul, God again through Paul, but it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about this. You get on the internet today, you can look at a lot of bad stuff and a lot of beautiful and good stuff, Right? Many of you traveled the world. You've seen all kinds of things. God says, you, ha- you will never see, you don't have a clue what you're going to see in heaven compared to what you've seen here. We- you've heard beautiful music. We've heard beautiful music in here today. You can listen to beautiful music, again, through the Internet all day long. God says, you have never heard nor never will hear what you're going to hear when you get to heaven. And some of you got pretty good imaginations. And God says, you can't even imagine what lies ahead of you in heaven. Now, is that not wonderful? Does that not blow you away? I mean, that, if, again, if that's not motivating, something is wrong. Let me kind of give you some thoughts to kind of bring this together. A lot of scholars believe that heaven is going to resemble the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, God and, and man and woman walk side by side. They were in the visible, physical presence of God in a perfect, perfect place. That may be a good picture of what it's going to be like. I believe this. If you really study your Bible, heaven, we're going to be happily occupied. Stephen King, you know who Stephen King is? Stephen King is a, a great creepy writer. And Stephen, we've had creepy pictures today, haven't we? Stephen King said this, I don't really want to go to heaven. It sounds boring just lounging on clouds all day. Well, I would say, Stephen, I'd rather lounge on a cloud than dance on a flame, wouldn't you? I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just saying that's my preference. But see, that's again, that's a kindergarten understanding of heaven. Heaven is not just going to be laying on a cloud all day. Heaven, you are going to be happily occupied. I don't know what that means, but I know we're not, you're not going to be bored in heaven. 
You're not going to be bored in heaven. Here's the third thing. People ask all the time, and I understand why they ask this. Well, we know each other in heaven. And I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. I'm going to give you two scriptures. In, in 2 Samuel 12, David has a little baby die. A lot of good theology just in this little section. Baby lived a week and the baby dies. And David says, I cannot bring that baby back, but I will go to be with that baby someday. David knew he was going to heaven. He knew that baby was in heaven. And I think David knew also that he was going to be reunited with that little child that he loved. Ever so briefly here on earth, he was going to be reunited with him. There's a story in Matthew 17 where Peter, James, and John, and Jesus are on a mountain praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns this brilliant white. He's transfigured in a, a heavenly way. And Moses and Elijah show up and are talking with Jesus. And Peter cannot contain himself. He can't keep his mouth quiet. And he blurts out, hey, Jesus, let's build some tents for Moses and Elijah and have a camp out. That's my paraphrase. And Jesus, I think, just looks at him and goes, oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. How did Peter know that was Moses and Elijah? Now, you read the story. Jesus didn't introduce Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, John. Here's the guys. Doesn't say they had name tags, Moses, Elijah. Well, Peter had them on his cell phone. That was 2,000 years ago. He'd seen their picture. He may have seen a painting that someone painted of someone who lived and died a thousand years earlier that no one knew what they looked like. I believed in their glorified states. He recognized who they were. Charles Spurgeon was a great English preacher. Herschel Hobbes was a great Baptist scholar. I love what both of them said about heaven. They said, if we're going to be a lot smarter there than we are here. And if we know each other here, of course, we're going to know each other there. Now, the relationship's going to be different, but it'll be far better because I know what some of you are thinking. I don't want to see them in heaven. You can avoid them for a thousand or so years, maybe, whatever. But, but yes, we're going to know each other. And that's one of the things that makes it just incredibly wonderful. Here's another question. Will animals be in heaven? If you don't want animals to be in heaven, I can tell you, they won't be in hell. So I don't want you to go there. I'm just teasing. Y'all aren't very friendly this morning for some reason. I want to give you two scriptures to write down. We'll write them, look up when you get home. Isaiah 11, verse 6 through 8, and Isaiah 65, 25. Isaiah 11, 6 through 8, and Isaiah 65, 25. It talks about. Again, whether that this, where those sections are, it's the final heaven or not, I don't know. But it talks about the lamb and the lion and, and, and the child playing with them and the child putting his hand near the adder's hole and the, the wolf hanging out with them. It's just, I mean, to me, it's cool. It's kind of like you'd always dreamed about that, yes, animals, I believe, will certainly be a part of heaven. They were certainly a part of of the Garden of Eden. Now, here's the key question. Will your animals and mine be in heaven? See, it's okay to me if a cow's in heaven, but I really want my dogs to be in heaven. And I know there's mean people. Oh, they won't be there. By the way, there's a passage in Revelation 22 that says no dogs will be in heaven. But that, that word dog there is talking about people who are morally impure. It's not talking about an animal, okay? That, that's correct. Do I believe that your pets and my pets will be in I, I do believe that. A great book is by Randy Alcorn. It's titled Simply Heaven. It's 500 pages. You will not read it this afternoon, but it's a great book. And he makes a very good biblical and theological case 
for our pets being with us, about them being recreated in heaven. Uh, Joni Erickson Tata, a lady who was paralyzed many, many years ago, has been a great Christian writer and speaker. C.S. Lewis, great English writer, both said the same thing, that they believe that our pets will be with us. Here's part of their theory, and I, my belief, if, if God gave us those things to enjoy and to bless us here on earth, God's not going to withhold things on hev- in heaven that blessed us here on earth. Does that make sense? Uh, and so, yes, I believe your rover and my rover will be there. It's heaven. It's going to be everything earth was on steroids. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. There was a lady talking to her little son, trying to teach him John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth will have everlasting life. She couldn't quite get him to do it, so she got him all the way to the end, and she said, everlasting, everlasting, and he just blurted out, everlasting fun. And I believe that. I believe heaven is going to be the most splendid, wonderful party in the presence of God forever. Again, to quote C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said, joy will be the serious business in heaven. I'm afraid a lot of church people aren't going to enjoy heaven. We are so unhappy here on earth. When we hear heaven's going to be fun, we get depressed. Heaven's going to be wonderfully fun and enjoyable. And and here's the last thing I want to share with you that's really neat. This is absolutely true, what we've seen this morning. You know, you heard, and I've heard my whole life, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. And a lot of times that's true. Someone's trying to sell you something, invest $1, and you'll get a million. You know, they're blowing smoke. That's not true. And so we get, you know, and you hear about this about heaven, and it's the, oh, yeah, whatever. Look in verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, at this point, God himself speaks up and says, behold, I'm making everything new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Folks, does God have to look at you and me and say something and then back it up by saying what I just said is true? No, because God cannot lie. God is perfect, right? God doesn't have to say to you and me, well, I'm telling you the truth. I have to say that to you because you don't believe me sometimes, right? You have to say that to me because I don't believe you sometimes. But I think God wanted to say, listen, this is unbelievable. It's too good to be true. But I, God, am speaking up here and telling you this is absolutely trustworthy and reliable. It's true. Isn't that wonderful? Marco Polo was a 13th century century. Venetian traveler, traveled the world that a lot of people had never seen. And he came back telling all kinds of stories about what he had seen and he had experienced. And people didn't believe him. And when he was an older man and he was dying and reportedly he was laying on his deathbed, his friends gathered around him and they said, Marco, 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 recant of your stories. You told us a lot of silly stuff. Come on now, you're fixing to face God, recant, come clean. And supposedly he looked at him and smiled and said, I didn't tell you half of what I saw and what I've experienced. And I believe this morning what we've seen about heaven is absolutely wonderful, but it's about 5% at best. And we sure hadn't lied of what we looked at. Are you going there? Let's pray. If you're a Christian this morning, man, I, I, um, I want you to rejoice in what lies ahead. Find some joy this morning in it. 
If you're not a Christian, God wants you to go to heaven. You can't go to heaven, but you must come to God through Jesus Christ. If you're ready to do that, you pray with me this morning where you are. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and that you arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want to challenge you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. Why don't you come this morning? We'll be happy to talk to you after church. Or you can come right now this morning and give your life to Christ. Man, you don't want to miss heaven. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that after church too. Or you can come when we stand today and join us. We'd love for you to. God's leading you to do that today. You're a Christian this morning. Cheer up. Find your joy. Man, life is tough. But think what lies ahead. And I encourage you, Christian. Find your joy in that. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar just to thank God or pray with the minister. Maybe where you're standing or at the altar, you need to. You need to get right with God. With all he's got ahead, we need to live worthy of that. Let's stand.